Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck with Devin Zanskis. Be sure to check out our other team-focused NBA pods, Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, and Hashtag Lakers. If you're looking for more basketball coaching, playing, and parenting talk, subscribe to these basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast, brought to you by the Hoopheads podcast network and hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, as always. Today I'm coming at you solo again, but I do have some plans in the works to bring in some guests to go along with the key upcoming NBA dates, such as the November 18th NBA draft that's set in stone, and the, as of now, December 22nd NBA restart that it was reported today um, by ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the league is running out of time for Um uh, because according to Bleach Report then, where I read that, uh, of course, there are a million factors that play into this, but uh, one component is that uh, this would require uh, training camps to start uh, within a month of that December 22nd date. And I've also heard uh, from other sources that I can't recall at this point that uh, the NBA uh, Players Association would like that uh, they and the players would have at least eight weeks of notice to prepare for the NBA season. And uh, as of now, uh, we're already within eight weeks of that December 22nd date. So I'm not sure how's, how uh, concrete or serious of a request that uh, eight weeks component is. But uh, given that the only news... Rather, the big news of the day that's come out is only that uh, there are increased concerns of the NBA start date. I wouldn't necessarily get, I wouldn't put my money on it starting on that day. And you've also heard kind of an additional push from uh, players and the Players Association for starting on MLK Day. I think this would be a great 
idea kind of to go along with uh, the players uh, having used their voice voices so well uh, during the NBA bubble and continuing that on Martin Luther King Day. Um, but also they clearly need some more time to prepare for this season. Um, obviously, the players could use as much rest as they can get, similar to that of a regular NBA, NBA offseason to uh, limit serious injuries. Um, but also the NBA has a lot to work out with the collective bargaining agreement that's uh, likely to just be thrown in the trash at this point. Um, but they'll figure it out. Luckily, that's not my job to figure out. Uh, it's just to give you guys an update on our Rocky Rococo situation here. And uh, I have been in contact with uh, Rocky Rococo Communications uh, via Twitter. And I also this weekend took advantage of the pumpkin-shaped pizzas. Uh, emphasis on the pumpkin-shaped portion of that statement, which I uh, cleared up for everybody last week with JJ and uh, yeah, I got two two pumpkin shaped pizzas. Shared them with some friends, along with a little sheep's head, a little cognac. We had ourselves a little uh, ple- pleasant uh, Halloween Eve Friday night, uh, and a lot of that had to do with those pumpkin shaped pizzas. So, um, thanks Rocky Rococos for that promotion. I really appreciate that and the creativity with uh, with the pumpkin shaped pizza. Looking forward to having the heart-shaped pizzas this Valentine's Day as well. Because uh, we all know we uh, eat with our eyes first. At least that's a saying that I remember back in my serving days. So, appearance is very much important uh, for your eating experience, I suppose. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I would urge all of you to jump on Twitter and go to the Rocky Rococo Twitter page. Vote for... Uh, your uh, elected promotional slice to begin in January, not to make light of the very important election that will be taking place uh, tomorrow, November 3rd. Hopefully everyone's gone out and voted uh, not only for your favorite pizza, but uh, the head of state. Again, not trying to make light of that situation, just trying to promote my favorite pizza. And... Well, oh yeah, I just wanted to give another shout out to the Rococo Chicago Wednesday Slice of the Day. My favorite za out there, not including those uh, cheese stuff pizzas. Uh, but if you also need an extra slice for Tuesday election election day, depending on the outcome and what your uh, ballot looks like, you can also get yourself an extra cheesy sausage mushroom if uh, that tickles your fancy. Anyways, uh, moving on to a little more off-season talk, and specifically this time of the year, the big talk is, um, well, since we're not uh, quite in the free agency period, we can't hear about players signing, uh, the draft isn't hasn't happened and won't for uh, another couple weeks and some changes. All we're really hearing about are new hires and some related to the Bucks as well, but I'd like to outline for all of our listeners some of the big names around the association not just with the Bucks because they do have implications for uh, our team um, notable ones uh, Ty Lue 
um, is now the coach of the Clippers. And he, as a reminder to all, he was the head coach at the time when the 2016 Cavaliers uh, did uh, execute that 3-1 comeback against the 73-9 and Golden State Warriors. And now the Clippers are going to go for a championship for themselves. And Ty Lewis taking over for uh, Doc Rivers, who has since signed with the 76ers, which that alone is not great for Milwaukee Bucks fans because they clearly needed a new voice uh, in there, someone to hold them more accountable, which I believe Doc Rivers can do hopefully at least better than uh, Brett Brown was rumored to do so for the 76ers. But uh, I'd say even more important for uh, our rival uh, Philadelphia 76ers is that they hired um, famous NBA GM Daryl Morey, who's probably, I mean, easily one of the top GMs in the league. He, um, I mean, he was able to bring James Harden to the Rockets, he's able to bring in Chris Paul and now Russell Westbrook, and he's and he's really been able to build build an outstanding team around James Harden, uh, f- build a system to to fit uh, Mike D'Antoni perfectly. Although he's no longer with the Rockets himself, but yeah, something that really had Bucks fans feeling pretty good about their odds this season was that the Sixers, especially away from home, which they were for the entire bubble, like our Milwaukee Bucks, uh, were not very good whatsoever. <laughs> um, and who know who knows uh, what factor that will play? But the biggest concern for them was really the roster construction and Daryl Morey's uh, probably one of, if not the best candidate to uh, flip this uh, 76's roster and have it make more sense around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Uh, speaking of Rockets personnel, they have since signed uh, Steven Silas. I believe he was with the Thunder, although that's not in my notes before. I believe he was there as a longtime assistant. <laughs> I don't have much else more to say about that, but Analysts whom I've heard speak speak about him say that that they weren't surprised about the hire at all, and say that he is definitely due for this for this promotion. Obviously, there's Steve Net or Steve Nets Steve Steve Nets of the Brooklyn Nashes. No, uh, Steve Nash, of course, two time MVP with the Phoenix Suns, um, one of the best point guards to ever play the game. He'll be coaching the Brooklyn. Uh, Nets, who are uh, forever a story uh, amongst NBA rumors and scandals. I don't know about how scandalous the team is per se, but you know, there's always something cooking in a locker room with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, so hopefully, uh, Steve Nash can help navigate those waters. But I'm, I definitely am looking forward to the headlines that come out once this team. Um, you know, is, is, is able to feel the roster that they have on their books. And uh, another big signing there was Stan Van Gundy returning to the NBA coaching ranks after uh, being one of the one of the only recent uh, both 
coaches and GMs for a franchise when he was uh, performing both roles for the Detroit Pistons. Doc Rivers was doing the same for the Clippers when he was there. But yeah, fans have certainly really gotten to appreciate Stan Van Gundy. Of course, he he hopped back on Twitter, which everyone enjoyed. But also, more importantly, he hopped on the broadcast and was able to uh, outshine his brother a bit, who was a candidate for uh, some of these positions. Got to feel a little bit bad for uh, uh, Jeff Van Gundy there being a little outshined by his... I don't even know. I would guess that Stan is older, but I really don't know. I mean, regardless, they're both making a lot of money talking about what they love. So I'm sure I'm sure they're more than happy with where they're at. And the last big uh, recent coaching hire was uh, Nate Bjorkgren. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but I also uh, sounds sounds like everybody else in NBA media is still trying to figure out the pronunciation there. Um, but uh, yeah, Indiana Pacers uh, new coach Nate Bjorkgren. And I don't know a ton about him either, but probably another um, young coach from the assisting ranks, similar to that of a, uh, well, who, who's, who's to say if he'll become a Nick Nurse or a Brad Stevens, but the, uh, the, process, in hi- the process in hiring a coach like him is probably pretty similar and uh, trying to pick that diamond out of the rough to... Uh, so yeah, lead the Pacers to a little more, uh, you know, help help them jump a tier in the Eastern Conference playoffs ranks. And that being said, those are the most recent NBA coaching hires. There are some other uh, less recent uh, head coaching hires around the association, but we don't need to we don't need to carry on much longer with the not necessarily Bucks talk. And we'll hop into uh, the two Joshes that have uh, come come and gone for the Milwaukee Bucks as far as Mike Budenholzer's staff. Uh, more importantly, uh, Josh Oppenheimer, he was a former Milwaukee Bucks coach in which he played uh, on both Jason Kidd and Larry Drew's uh, bench there. And he... Worked specifically alongside uh, a rookie, Giannis and Nate Walters. Uh, shout out Nate Walters. Kind of a uh, a throwback for a lot of Bucks fans. Similar, uh, kind of a similar prototype to that of a of a Luke Ridnour to another throwback for Bucks fans. I had, I had a lot of I had a lot of fun listening to Lockdown Bucks uh, recently when they were talking about some of some of the old uh definitely forgettable but uh forgettable yet uh bucks players that we do have fond memories of but any anyways Josh Oppenheimer worked worked a lot as a player development coach with a young Giannis and Nate Walters and um which also reminds me because just within the past month as well, uh, scouring Instagram as one does, I uh, there was a, a video compilation of, of Giannis uh, shooting as a rookie. And there was people talking about of, about how, oh, Giannis looks just like a Kevin Durant with, with, with his old jumper. Like how, and almost, you know, in nature sort of accusing the Bucks of ruining his jumper, but... Um, 
let's hop on over to his uh, basketball reference page where Giannis, um, ooh, he actually, he shot a career high three three point percentage of a of 34.7% from three, um, but that was on only only one and a half attempts. So obviously not a ton to make of, of Giannis's jumper there. And let's also not forget how much it affects a guy when he adds like what, like, like 40 pounds of muscle. I can't, I don't, I don't remember the exact weight measurements of Giannis back in, uh, from compared rookie to uh, rookie year to current year, but you know, put putting on that strength doesn't necessarily help the jumper anyway. And and despite that, thirty four point seven percent from three, Giannis was never really regarded as a three point shooter. So, uh, Bucks fans definitely are not taking back any of Giannis's um, recent development. But more on Josh Oppenheimer, he was a former pro out in Israel before he became a coach and entered the NBA, um, well, rather an NBA uh, bench in the 16-17 season for the Houston Rockets. And then he was also, um, let's see, he was actually, before then, he was an assistant on the Brooklyn Nets G League team. And then after his stint, with the Houston Rockets, he was he's been a head coach at a at a James Madison University um, just before making the jump back now to the NBA and and I actually do I do have it uh, here in my notes that he he does he does have the reputation of of a shot shot doctor pointing back to Giannis's thirty four point seven percent from three as a rookie but then then again. Uh, there's been uh, another assistant under underneath uh, Mike Boonholtz, who I believe is still with the team. I would have to double check that, but uh, nothing comes to mind now of any of hearing anything about Ben Sullivan leaving the Milwaukee Bucks. So, assuming he's still there, um, comparing Giannis's uh, percentages and volume from from three point land from. Uh, the 2013 through the 2017 uh, season. Um, so this would have been, let's see. Oh, pardon me. Uh, wow, my, my notes are a bit sloppy here. But uh, so 13 to 17 season was actually when Josh Oppenheimer was with the Milwaukee Bucks. And I might have my dates wrong there on his, um, his previous and 10 years and those after. His Bucks didn't, but from 13 to 17, when Oppenheimer was with the Bucks, Giannis shot a uh, total of 27.7% from three on only 1.4 attempts per game. While in uh, in the 2019 and 2020 season, when Ben Sullivan was Giannis's so-called shot doctor, he shot an improved, very much improved, uh, not a 28.4% from three um, while shooting. Uh, a couple more threes per game at uh, 3.7 attempts per game. So do we think that Giannis is going to begin to look more like the Kevin Durant that apparently fans uh, apparently fans thought he was back in his rookie year? I don't believe so, but 
hey, maybe it's maybe if nothing else, it can be more of of kind of uh, you know a little added, very slight leverage to uh, hope that Giannis sticks around with even more familiar faces added to the bench. Now that's the Josh that has returned to. Uh, a Milwaukee Bucks bench, but we have another Josh, a Josh Longstaff, who has left uh, Bud's staff uh, per Adrian Adrian Wojnarowski. Let's just call him Woj, as everyone else does. Is going to be joining Billy Donovan's coaching staff on the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, this is another uh, big new coaching hire, although it was. Uh, it was from uh, not as recent history as those I had mentioned before, but Billy Donovan has transitioned from uh, being a head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Chicago Bulls. Why, why one would choose that, I'm not quite sure. Personally, I'd rather be coaching the Oklahoma City Thunder, but uh, I'll be lucky to be coaching my, my nephew's rec league team eventually. Anyhow, regarding Josh Longstaff... Uh, uh, per Woj's report, it says that uh, he has an opportunity to elevate to a front of bench assistant, uh, possibly referring to maybe he would be, he could become a head coach's right hand man if that's so much of a thing. I'm not necessarily the biggest expert on uh, assistant coaches, uh, nor do I necessarily plan on it. However, more assistant coaching news is that uh, along with Josh Longstaff, uh, very impressive uh, assistant also from uh, recently, uh, I believe just this past season with Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, Hall of Famer Maurice Cheeks is going to be joining Billy Donovan and following him to Chicago. Uh, Mo Cheeks is obviously a Hall of Fame player, NBA champ with the uh, 83 Philadelphia 76ers, five-time All-Defensive player and a four-time All-Star. So I guess that will be who Josh Longstaff is looking to uh, to elevate uh, beyond eventually. Uh, but as long as Mo Cheek's there, it looks like Josh may have to uh, continue build- building upon his career uh, elsewhere if he wants to be uh, so-called second in command. More on Longstaff, though, he was previously a, uh, a player personnel coordinator, video coordinator, player development coach, and finally a video analyst uh, for the, yet again, Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, That was only from 2010 to 2014, and I don't necessarily have the year breakdown for when the head coaching position went from a Scott Brooks to a Billy Donovan. I I feel like like there's a good chance Brooks would have still been with the Thunder during... Uh, Longstaff's tenure there, but you have to think if you have a Mo Cheeks joining Billy Donovan, uh, there's maybe a good chance that the motivation for Longstaff going to Chicago would be to join uh, his former coach there with maybe a little added opportunity. Similar thing happened when Buck when Bud came to the Bucks and he uh, brought along a Darvin Ham with him. Um, I believe a Ch- Taylor Jenkins as well, who is now um, now has uh, one year under his belt as a first-time uh, 
uh, head coach with the Memphis Grizzlies, who really outperformed expectations this past year. So definitely not something unheard of to have uh, coach's assistants follow him to a new gig. Again, more on the second Josh here. Uh, he had his first experience as as a head coach um, with a Mike Budenholzer uh, Hawks G League affiliate, the uh, Erie uh, Bayhawks, and that was in 2018 in which he led uh, the Bayhawks to the G League Eastern Conference Finals where they would uh, end up losing to a uh, eventual G League champion uh, Raptors 905 squad, likely led by Nick Yurt, Nick Nick Nurse. If uh, you know, I'm not sure what the turnover is with uh, with G League coaches, but uh, Nick Nurse was, of course, a a, a G League coach before becoming the coach of the A team in Toronto. And uh, le- leading them to their first final. So likely uh, Longstaff is going against Nurse there. Uh, I'm going to continue along here. It's maybe a shorter podcast than usual, but that kind of goes kind of more so along with my expectation with this with this show when it first got started. And I we'll, we'll see how much I can keep keep rambling here. I wouldn't uh I wouldn't say it's definitely out of the cards for me to go longer here. Uh, Without further ado, I will go into our uh, weekly uh, draft analysis here. And I'm pretty excited about uh, this guy that I'm about to run through. I feel like he doesn't he doesn't get as, not, as much shine in uh, compared to other NBA draft prospects. I don't I personally don't recall him uh, along with a lot of the other big names that we've that we've run through before, like uh, Nico Mannion, R.J. Hunter, and uh, Tyrell Terry, certainly uh, lit it up this year at Stanford. And and I forget if I cleared this up before. I think I heard this news uh, just after I went through, and you know, I was kind of really ragging on Tyrell for only being a slight six six. Six foot and uh, 160 pounds, but rumors are that he's actually been measured now at 6'2 and closer to 170, 175 pounds. So that would be enormous for uh, Tyrell Terry if if those numbers are true, because uh, that's really the the biggest knock on him. There is just uh, whether or not he has NBA size and can hold up against NBA athletes. And now we're gonna get. Back into uh, Jemias Ramsey. He is a, a 6'4 wing with a 6'10 wingspan and uh, weighs in at, at uh, 195 pounds. He has a quick first step and uh, he does have three level scoring potential, but uh, one knock on him is he definitely does need to improve his handle, uh, even, I mean, that's that's really apparent when when you're looking at all the tape. You, even just his highlights, it's not it's not super tight handle. He doesn't really have it on a string, but he's good at using his body to 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 get past defenders. Uh, he often uh, uses uses his offhand that he's not dribbling with to to shield himself against the defender. So that's a good habit to be in. Um, and he also has some of the best footwork in the class and can go either direction. 
well and does have a score first mentality. A lot of those attributes kind of remind me of a Chris Middleton. And once they pointed out that footwork, I, I kind of saw it there, though. That's not really the mold that that we're going to uh, that we're going to put Jemias in. I'll share a player comp later, but he shot impressive 42.6% on 5.2 three-point attempt, attempts per game last season and has NBA range, which is is super uh, amazing for, for Ramsey. And uh, although his shot selection can definitely improve, he, he can also uh, uh, fill it up off the dribble as well. While being uh, in the 91st percentile uh, on catch and shoot threes at uh, at 1.27 points per po- per possession, and uh, they also think that he has a good potential to to be a good movement shooter and come off screens, kind of like we saw with the Miami Heat shooters, like a Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero. But uh, I mean, it's it's hard to project anyone to ever to ever get to that level. But he's beyond being a shooter. He's he's a tremendous athlete too. He has a he's most known for having a two foot kind of launch launch pad uh, leap. First first person I think of with that, I always think of a uh, like a Donovan Mitchell or when when I think when I think of like a a two foot leaper, maybe a Derrick Rose is that way as well. <laughs> I mean, Jemias Jemias may not be in a dunk contest like those other. I actually don't know if Derrick Rose was ever in a dunk contest, but we all know Prime Derrick Rose is one of the best dunkers of all time. So maybe not quite that great, but again, similar to the Miami shooters, uh, if he fulfilled, if he's that good, as good at uh, any trade as as those guys guys are at their strengths, he'll be uh, he'll be in the league for a very 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 long time. So I'm definitely excited about Jamias. He is. Obviously, has has a skill set, shooting ability, excellent uh, strength and length. But some of the knocks on him are come from the defensive end. Um, despite his strength and length, he doesn't always show uh, the best effort on the defensive end. And uh, though he has uh, tremendous footwork on offense, it's, he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't commit to being as disciplined with his feet. On um, on defense, kind of kind of opens his hips too wide, um, a little too much similar to that of, of of an RJ Hampton, but didn't look quite as egregious as what I found with with RJ. Jamias will often uh, bite on pump pump fakes and um, could also do better uh, in terms of with his footwork, staying on his staying on his toes more not getting blown by as much that would that would certainly help with that just overall needs to improve uh, his awareness on the defensive end i've already mentioned that his shot selection needs to improve as he does sometimes shoot early in the shot clock when he does have have, have the open man right next to him and uh, he can also improve his creativity at the rim something of note he only shot uh, uh 31 of 62 at the rim which is would be third worst amongst guards with at least uh, three uh, three uh, three point attempts per game. He'd only be behind a Kobe White or Oladipo if he would have done that this past year. 
in the association. So, uh, you know, that, that also sort of reminds me of, of a Chris Middleton where, of course, Chris is a mention with, with those three guys as um, at the totally in the basement as far as uh, uh, at rim finishing, but certain stuff, something that definitely frustrates Bucks fans. And, you know, you saw it in these playoffs was that, was that although although Chris is is one of the best mid range scores in in the league when when you really do need a buck bucket it is frustrating, um, sometimes when he doesn't just like go and attack the rim with with the size that he has and you know you 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 got to think the same thing with Jamias when he's got pretty good size for a wing and he's got long arms maybe he maybe he could put on a, a little bit more more weight but one ninety five you've definitely heard of heard of a. Uh, Guys that are more light in the shorts, especially at his age, so that wasn't noted as, as a, uh, as you know, as a big knock on him, uh, the LBs. But that would you got to think that's something that uh, plays into him not being as good of a finisher. Um, but yeah, otherwise uh, could improve as as a passer, um, and doesn't have. You know, maybe can't be the same type of uh, secondary playmaker like a Malcolm Brogdon is, but he does. He has shown the ability to make a variety of creative passes, but you only kind of see flashes of it. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I, you know, all that being said, the de- the defensive holes definitely scare me a little bit with Jamias, but. Um, everything he does on the offensive end, and I think that's something the Bucks need to focus on more, uh, leads me to be pretty intrigued with him. He's definitely up there along with a Desmond Bain for guys that I would love to see the Bucks go and grab if we do hold on to our... Uh, I, I, I always get the number mixed up. by almost certain it's our number 25 pick that we have. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be... I definitely would not be upset uh, in the least, if if we went and grabbed a Jamias, who's compared to, uh, ironically compared to that of of a J.R. Smith, who's gotten, uh, you know, kind of has has mixed reviews around around the league, but you can't argue the fact that he's that he's been able to stick around for a reason, and kind of reminded me as well that 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 along with uh, Kyle Korver, Bucks fans were were kind of getting a little excited about J.R. possibly joining the Bucks, but he did of course go long, uh go on to win. Uh, his second NBA championship with LeBron James. So, you know, for for the culture, I'm ha- I'm happy for the guy, and I'm happy he stuck on brand, and uh, and he and uh, and he he immediately had his shirt shirt off before the buzzer even started. I don't know if he I don't know if he kept it off for three whole days like he did when when they when they won it in Cleveland, but. Uh, I'm not sure. I wasn't necessarily watching his Instagram live the whole time, and I wasn't. And uh, I wish, but I wasn't along with along with him, or or there wasn't a parade for us to see on whether or not Jr. Uh, kept his shirt off or not. But moving on, I guess the last kind of piece of of Bucks news that came out here was a uh, Kyle Korver uh, spoke at his alma mater. Uh, Creighton University uh, just uh, when would that have been I think about a week from this past Sunday and he joined them for a uh, quote-unquote broad discussion on racial inequality and he did share some 
um, stories that I haven't that I haven't really heard about what happened uh, behind closed doors on the day when when the Milwaukee Bucks um, kind of took strike against uh, the attempted murder of Jacob Blake, and I'm just gonna share all of his quotes from that in that story. He says, uh, you know, we were trying to get ready for a playoff game, but admittedly we weren't really there mentally. Shared a story about Darvin Ham. He has two sons in their 20s living in Milwaukee just like myself. And he was he was brought to tears and he and he tore down this uh this big kind of curtain divider thing or you know that's some that's that's kind of what it sounded like that he that he just tore down and, and threw to the ground uh it's divider of some sort to distance the coaches from the players um and then that's when Corver Cor- shared his own experience where he was saying that that he that he himself in tears like like many others in the locker room he looked down at his at his black lives matter jersey and he was just asking himself you know like like what like what am i doing here just you know like he definitely touched on how it, it hit home more for Milwaukee Bucks players since this happened in our backyard but you know cause cause a lot of us to to question uh what we were doing uh you know to help you know to help situations like this uh not happen but also at the very least uh hopefully that that those uh you know those responsible for this get held accountable and from there is when uh, George Hill and Sterling Brown announced that they weren't going to play. Sterling specifically said that there wasn't any pressure to sit out, but that all the guys quickly said that they were with him. And this was decided with only 13 minutes left on the clock and um, getting more into Corver's mindset. He asks, uh, in times like this, he asks, how do I help as a white man? What do I say as a white man in this space? And he says, you know what you do? You stand with the marginalized. And when you can, you amplify their voices. You listen to their thoughts and ideas. And then you find your way to help out. And then he shares a sentiment, well, he and the guys couldn't just go back to their rooms, play cards or video games. They had to do something uh, since they weren't going to be playing to the game. And that's that's how they ended up talking to Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor and um, where they came to learn that after all the protests in Milwaukee and throughout Wisconsin and, and the nation that the, the state legislature had, hadn't met once uh, to discuss change, which is incredibly disappointing um but it goes to show the effects that effects that these these athletes can have and and you know he i I don't remember if he said that they they did eventually meet but you got you got to think that i mean it's crazy crazy that they wouldn't have met already given the the protests and and what was going on in the world at the time but hopefully a second push from the players would 
you know, led them to do something else. And, you know, considering the, the lens that, that's on these players at all time and, and, and the shock that the Milwaukee Bucks brought to, brought to everybody by sitting out this game and not necessarily uh, doing so with any warning. So shout out to our players for affecting change. And Corver also shared that, that he and everybody got a chance to speak with Jacob Blake's family who, uh, who were incredibly kind and gracious. He, he says, and pretty much every player stood around the phone and cried along with, along with Jacob Blake's family. And he said in that moment, despite the criticism from even from other NBA teams, he said that, that he didn't know uh, exactly what his plan was or what they were going to do moving forward, but they knew they were going to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, now, now that this topic was, was brought on um, specifically regarding Kyle Korver, I thought about it, about it before around this time, but uh, it gives me the opportunity to share a Players Tribune article that that Corver himself wrote uh, back when, um, let's see, he would have been on the Jazz at this point, it looks like, but he, he talks about another incident when his former both Jazz and Atlanta Hawks teammate, uh, Tabo Cephalosha, was uh, was uh, treated poorly and with uh, excessive force by the New York Police Department uh, outside of a club. And yeah, I'm just going to read straight from this article here where he says, get into the where. So he just get, gets into the story about what happened to Tabo and he said, uh, on the morning, found out what happened Found out what happened with Tabo. Um, he says, you know what my fir- first thought was about my friend and teammate? My first thought was, what was Tabo doing doing out at a club on a back-to-back? Yeah, not how is he doing, not what happened during the arrest, not something seems off with this story, nothing like that. Before I knew the full story and before I'd even had a chance to talk to Tabo, I sort of blamed Tabo. I thought, well, if I'd been in Tabo's shoes out of the club late at night, the police wouldn't have arrested me, not unless I had done something wrong. Cringe. <laughs> as uh, personally, as Devin here again as the podcast host, I can I can relate to that when thinking of situations where, uh, you know, I I misread something or caught myself uh. I don't know. Just just reading reading the situation wrong and catching myself with uh, kind of the incorrect thought and attitude. But he cringes and he says it's not like it was a conscious thought, pure reflex, first thing to pop in my head. And uh, he shares, "There's no doubt I was worried about him, but still, super cringy." And of course, uh, like I had mentioned, the New York Police Department had. Uh, used excessive force against Tabo in which he he eventually uh, was found not guilty of all charges and uh, was able to settle with the city over over the police department's use of force against him. And then uh, he goes, uh, you know, life, life went on from there as it does. And then 
he goes on again to share, if you'll forgive me, uh, Corver does go on to share some very important pieces here, almost the whole second half of, of the article. He shares that uh, two concepts that he's been thinking about a lot lately are guilt and responsibility. This is something personally as as your podcast host that I that I um, thought about a lot and I mean didn't necessarily affect the way that that I think about these situations but uh, kind of made me I guess think about how uh, certain certain other people who look like me can can feel can feel the way that I do because they sort of seem to or wait I'm afraid I might I might have misworded that. Uh, I'm afraid that others who look look like me, if I may try to articulate this correctly, tend to conflate these two concepts that Corver goes into. Those two concepts are guilt and responsibility. He says, when it comes to racism in America, I think that guilt and responsibility tend to be seen as more or less the same thing. I'm beginning to understand uh, how there's a real difference. As white people... Are we currently guilty of the sin, of the sins of our forefathers? Uh, he says, no, I don't think so. But he says, are we responsible for them? And he says, yes, I believe we are. And I and I think I think that's huge because if if as white people we're we're claiming to understand white privilege and and we will willfully admit that that we maybe wouldn't want to be want to be placed in the same shoes as our peers then. Then, then it is our responsibility if we if we truly believe believe in equality to, you know, be be responsible for the for the actions of uh, of our of our of our ancestors or our white predecessors and uh, you know do do what do what we can um, even if it's just voting or or. Uh, you know, having conversations with those close close to us and starting starting in the home home first and trying trying to stop kind of these these really negative and harmful uh, you know thought patterns. I I think I think that would that would go a long way to to try to bring along a change in our community and. Um, Part of me, I'm, 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 I'm maybe clearly missing missing the part in this article that I wanted to read through. But I guess if nothing else, I, w- I would urge all of you to go to the Players Tribune and uh, you can just search Kyle Korver and you'll find find this article. Um, it's called Privileged. It goes through both uh, the incident with Tabo in New York City, but also uh, it ties in a little bit to. Russell Westbrook's situation when he was when he was attacked uh, verbally by a fan, you know, using 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 racial slurs and whatnot. Fan was of course banned for life from from whatever the Jazz's arena is, but obviously obviously the the damage will will live on for a very long time. And there's also uh, an interview between Corver and uh, a few of his former Jazz teammates, including. Including Tabo Cephalosha, but also Ekbe Yudo and Georges Niang. So that's also something, something that you can check out there. Uh, I know I listened to it a couple times last night to try to prepare for this, but uh, 
Uh, clearly, from what I, from what I just went through, I think I think it it would be best for all of you to just go to the Players Tribune and and read Kyle Kyle Korver's article and listen to his interview with his teammates to to kind of get a better idea, or you know, because even if even if you think your heart's in the right place, uh, whether or not you think your specific ancestors are responsible for the sins of sins of this country, I think. Uh, Part of making sure that, sure that you're an ally is to make sure that that you never stop learning. Because, uh, yeah, because you know, I can I can guarantee that that you and I have haven't learned and probably couldn't learn all that there all that there is to try to make sure you're you're on the right side of history and and hopefully we we can see some real change in our lifetime. But but even if that that change comes. Uh, Further after you and I are gone, that that doesn't that doesn't diminish the importance of of what we do, and uh, you know, hopefully, attempt to make up for the sins of this country, fight against racism and social injustice. But I think at that point, it's a it's a good time for me to leave it there. And I'd like to thank all all of you for joining me here at at Nuck If You Buck. I'd urge you to check out the rest of our podcast at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. And I'll see you in another life, brother. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals. Visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again. See you in another life, brother.